there, my friends, and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm here live with you every Thursday, 4 o'clock Pacific time, where we talk about the stories you're writing and the stories you live by. We bring authors on the show to share with you their experience But we also talk about some of the techniques that authors run through to make their lives very creative and intentional, and we apply them to your life. And you don't have to be an author to apply it to your life. You just have to be someone who really wants to create and have a full blooming plot with lots of wonderful real live characters in your life where you are responsible for your day out and day in and daily, daily commitment to showing up. Yeah, there you go. That's the summary of what we do here. Like I said, we offer a live show every Thursday. And then on Friday, we offer you the encore. And you can listen to this anywhere in the world. On the Pacific Coast, we're We're offering the Friday Encore at 6 a.m. for our commuters. And if you're on the East Coast, you can sleep in just a little bit and catch it at 9 a.m. I have a few things coming up I'd like to tell you about. You may know that I am a writing coach here in Seattle, Washington. I offer retreats and I offer 90-day coaching packages one-year author memberships, but I also do this really nifty thing called a VIP day or a VIP week and even a VIP month. And this is where we get together right here at the radio station, or if you're far away, we can do it on Zoom. And we look at what you've been dreaming of writing about. It could be the next book you are writing. It could be the next TED Talk you plan on doing. It could be a podcast you've decided to be the author of. Whatever that is that you want to bring in the world, we sit down, get to know each other, and have a great time figuring out what it is in your heart so we get it out on print. I recently did this with Don, who is going to teach people how to swing. Hey there, Don. Hope you're listening today. Recently did this with Heather, who is helping moms, especially very, very busy moms, understand that you can be just as committed to your career as you are to your family and have a very, very positive outcome. But she's got a few secrets to offer you that you might be banging your head against the wall and trying to figure out on your own. Hang out for Heather's book. I wish I could tell you the last names here, but we just got to wait for their stuff to come out. These are what I call VIP offers. We can do it for a day. We can hang out and do it for a week. Not necessarily in the radio station for a week, but we have our ways of following up. And I also offer a 30-day. If any of that interests you, or maybe you're in the market for a nice high-end luxury retreat, Why don't you head on over to CoachDebbie.com. I spell that D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. And you should learn all sorts of 
lovely news and tidbits about what is on offer. You might be wondering what's on offer for today. If you are listening to this show live or catching our Friday encore, well, you know that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And that is one of my very, very favorite days. My very first Valentine, I would say, was my mom. She was everything Valentine and that she just knows how to, you know, bake up the cookies, get the little cards, write the sweet sentiments, do fun things at home so you can give your crafts to friends. She's she's very dialed in to Valentine's Day. And thinking back to being a very little girl with her, I enjoyed Valentine's Day very, very much. And I came to believe that it's not just for all the sweethearts in the world, although it is definitely for you, but it is for all people. Valentine's Day is for the heart. It's a celebration of the heart. So I wanted to bring to you a theme around real, lasting, and beautiful love. And it is today. Today is honoring marriage, but let's just honor all love. Why don't we? Hmm? You don't have to just do it on Valentine's Day. You can do it any day of the year. And I highly recommend that. But it's so fun to get all excited about Valentine's Day, especially if you are a fun, loving person who wants flowers like I do, Hint, hint, if my honey's listening. Or chocolates, like I do. Hint, hint, if anyone who knows me is listening. You know what? I scored 14 pounds of chocolate over Christmas. It's good to lay down those hints. Except Coach Debbie doesn't have that much room around her waist for much more chocolate. So, you know, just a little cup of hot chocolate over Zoom call, that would be nice, too. I would enjoy that. Let me tell you. The people coming on today, I have had the wonderful opportunity to spend time with one of our authors, John David Mann, and you have too. He has come here to talk about his his book, Still Fear, and he has come here to talk about others in which he was the co-author. Today, he has brought his co-author and wife, for the book, The Go-Giver Marriage. His wife, Anna, is with him today, and we are going to get to talk to both of them a little bit about the five secrets of marriage. I think we'll jump into one secret and really uncover that for you, maybe even give you a little taste about a second secret. But I'll tell you this, i I spent a lot of time on the couch in January because y'all know I had that big old nasty COVID thing. And this book was really, really lifting me up, really getting me ready for coming back into the world and having a very open heart around my people. Not just lover, but people. Because that's the magic that John puts into his writing, and boy, bringing his wife into this, they came up with such a beautiful parable and also these five secrets, but they wove it in. I just, I want to, I want to tell you about the book without giving too much away. I want to tell you that 
there's this, I'm going to just tell you this little bit first before I bring them on. There's this wonderful little bit that happens with a long job interview. It it goes on for quite a while, and it it's woven in and out of several of the chapters. But it's not your typical job interview. And yet, while the interviewer is mm, sort of enlightening the interviewee about living a very intentional life and conversation does go down the the trail around marriage for quite some time. What you really come away with is how a person can go from just being task-oriented, like thinking about a new job, and, and actually opening their heart and becoming very, very wholehearted about their own experience and about what they want to create in their life far beyond their job. I hope that entices you just a little bit to think about picking up your copy of The Go-Giver, which is going to be, this is The Go-Giver Marriage. There's actually several Go-Givers out there, all of which John has been co-author of. This one is The Go-Giver Marriage. We'll have to check with them. I believe it's officially coming out March 8th. I'm going to have to check with them. But I got a preview copy. It's so beautiful. And I would uh, I would like to send five people a lovely copy of this as soon as I get my hands on them. I would love to send five people a copy of it. All you got to do is write to me and say, I want to be one of five. And if you are among the first five, I'll send it right on out to you. So just get in touch with me about this or anything else. Write to me at uh, Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com. Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. If you're one of the first five, I'll send you this book when it's still nice and hot right off the press. So as I was telling you, you've been with me when I've talked with John David Mann before. He has authored a long list of books And it includes The Go-Giver that he co-wrote with Bob Berg. And I did not know this until recently, but that earned the 2017 Living Now Book Awards. It's called the Evergreen Medal, and it is given for its contribution to positive global change. Not a bad award. He began in in music and composing and has become quite prolific with words. It is always a joy to have him on. And like I said, he has brought his wife today, the co-author of The Go-Giver Marriage, Anna Mann, who is here. She she holds an MA in uh, clinical psychology. She trains coaches. She is also uh, known around the globe as a therapist. She is a collaborator of corporate training. She is a speaker. You may know of her as well, but this is the first time she is here on the show with me. I am delighted to have you two, you're my new favorite couple, 
Welcome, John and Anna. Thank you. Thanks, God. Thank you, Coach Debbie. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Yeah, it is lovely to have you here. And really, really, while I wasn't enjoying COVID, I sure was enjoying your book. And <laughs> I, I just want to say, I know that it, it takes a certain energy to co-author anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> but to co-author a book, that's gutsy stuff. So I want to ask you, Anna, you, you, I'm sure, have done plenty of writing, but since John has been very involved in the whole go-giver movement, can you tell me just a little bit of what it was like to step in? It was incredible, partly because when the original go-giver came off of John's printer almost 20 years ago, I was the very first reader and I finished the book. I was completely stunned by its simplicity and its beauty. And I said to him, this book is incredible and it would make an incredible book about marriage. And having been a family therapist and a, and a marriage counselor, I was really always wanting to help people to find skills, help people to have a better understanding of what's important in a marriage. What are the things that are, can get in your way that will block intimacy and block closeness and even lead to divorce? So, you know, we talked about it for years and years. And in fact, you know, there were multiple go-giver books that came after that. So in reverence for all of those, we kind of kept waiting and when the pandemic happened and we knew that people were locked up in their homes, they were face to face with their spouses, their family, and you know, no room to breathe. No one was going to the office. We knew that the tension was high mm. and that the time to write the book was now. And so the book is divided into two halves. The first half is called The Parable. And the second half is called The Practice. And the parable is the story, and it illuminates all the five secrets. But the second half takes all the five secrets and explains what they are, uh, according to developmental theory, which is, in a nutshell, what you needed as a baby and as a child, you also needed as an adolescent and as an adult. And so each secret has its own unique place that it fits in developmental theory. And those things are still important to us today. So putting the five secrets into place and sharing how to make them work, how to bring them into your relationship and what their opposite is. Mm -hmm. And so that was also part of the significance is how does it look when it's not working? So that's the second half of the book. And it's, it's a real how-to to bring the secrets to life in your life. I felt that way. I felt that way while reading it. I was enjoying all of the storytelling. I, I, you know, I have some of my favorite characters here. I, I really love sort of how naive um, I saw Tom to be, but in a very sweet way. I, I really appreciated the overachieving in Tess. Um, and for all you dear listeners, you you will get to know people. I related to Dee a lot as a career woman. 
Um, you'll get to know people and you will see people in here that you know in your own lives, but you will also see some magic around marriage and and not not just with one couple. Um, oh, I don't want to give it all away, but I just want to entice y'all to think about the fact that some books out there, when they write about marriage or they write about how you might improve anything, they're just speaking directly to you. There's actually in this book a lot of different techniques going on. So me being an educator, I really appreciated that because I could see how different people with their own learning styles would be accepting and adjusting and and really loving the information. Oh my goodness, it's time for our first break. Hey Eric, what do you think if we roll on into, what if we just have one break today and do it at half past? Are, John and Anna, are you good with that? We'll follow you anywhere here. Oh, thank you. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Okay, we'll do that in about 10 minutes. We'll go to our, our first break. So John, tell us while while Anna is, is looking the other way, what was it like to have your your wife on board right in the book <laughs> i'm sure she's not listening now so <laughs> i'll be completely candid well actually all kidding aside i will be completely candid i i didn't really know what it would be like um for years we've we've talked about what you know we should write a book together someday but i honestly didn't know how that would you know how that would be for me because even though I've written all these books with other people, I've written over 30 books and nearly all of them are co-authorships, but my co-authors are at a distance. Right. <laughs> they don't live in my house and, and um, they're not in the next, in the next uh, room over. And, and also, you know, frankly, and Debbie, I think you know this, that, you know, when I write a book with somebody, normally the way it works is we chat, we talk, I get to know their material, they get to know mine. I, I learn everything about them. And then when it comes time to write the book, I shut the door and I, I do the writing. It's like, that's my job. That's my skill set. I turn off the phone, sit down, and I spend the weeks or the months and I, and I create a draft of this book. And then, of course, we go back and forth about revising and perfecting and, and, and polishing and shaping. But I do the writing on my own. It's kind of my bailiwick. Mm -hmm. We didn't do it that way. It was different. Um, for one thing, I, I you know, we live together and we know each other's thoughts and we talk every day, not just at the beginning and the end of the day, but throughout the day. We've done a lot of other things together. We've, we've been in business together. We've been in entrepreneurial ventures together. We've consulted the corporations together. We've done a lot of, of uh, projects and activities as partners in other domains. So we know how to work together. We know each other. But this time I wrote a book with the door open. Uh, um, yeah. practically speaking, you know, we didn't sit down at a table every day with two typewriters and crank together. Uh, it didn't work like that. Anna, Sana said that there's the parable and there's the practice. I kind of wrote the parable. It's, that is my domain. And she wrote the practice. That's more her domain. But throughout the process, I was sharing my draft. She was sharing her drafts. We were going back and forth. So we were in each other's parts of the book constantly. Um, and so how was that? Well, it was incredible. 
Yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, I even wonder what it would be like to do podcasts and radio shows together. Mm. That has been a revelation. It's been, and it is, it's so much fun. We've had such a blast. We're still in the middle of our, of our, you know, radio slash podcast tour. Um, so, you know, it might not be for everyone, but it sure is for some people. And it definitely is for us writing, writing and promoting your book together. We're having oh, a ball. Good, good. Well, you may or may not know that that I've done both with my sweetie. You know, we did seven, <sighs> seven years of radio together, and we wrote his book together. And um, as he as he puts it, he he carved his brain open and dumped out the contents, and I made sense of it. That's how he he sometimes says it. But honestly, he is uh he has his very very own voice and words being being a hydraulic mechanic you know things are like ah so and so just popped out of gear today you know he has these phrases that um i wanted to make sure all of his personality got in there and it was a blast it was a blast writing a book with someone that I knew so well, and I didn't know if it would be. So it was yeah. it was really great to to find that out. But honestly, from way over here, I knew it would be for the two of you. I just I felt <laughs> that very very much so. And I I pulled out some quotes that uh, give away just little bits of the book, but also mm-hmm. just help people out a bit. So here's one for you, Anna. I. I, I'm guessing that this is you, where it said, it might not seem like love should be something you practice at, yet it is. Love can be a bolt from the blue, something that wallops you at first sight, or it can blossom over time from a friendship. But whatever form love takes, love that endures, lasting love, is a practice. Actually, now that I've read it, it could be John with the word wallop in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but the question is for for Anna. I'm I'm just curious when we call when we call lasting love a practice. I would I would just love for you to talk to us about that in. Any any way you you would like, you know, whether we've read the book or we have, well, nobody's read the book here except me and you and the other. That's right. The listeners haven't had access to it yet. So love as a practice, lasting love as a practice, enduring love as a practice. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Well, I think that everyone's familiar with the rush of emotion and romance when you first fall in love. And I think that for a lot of people, they want to believe that that state of being will be permanent, that that's how they're going to feel for the rest of their lives if they marry this person. Mm, Yeah, guilty of that over here. Yeah, okay, go on. Yep, and I think that especially young people, often go blindly into a a new marriage with the idea that they're just in blissful love and we're going to have a blissful marriage and it's going to be great. Yeah. But what happens is if you try to build intimacy with another person, 
before you get whole on your own, then all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. And what I mean by that is we all arrive at every relationship with our emotional history, which is our emotional baggage. And you bring it and, you know, what we frequently say when we're joking about it is that as soon as the honeymoon is over, the baggage starts magically unpacking itself. And then what happens is the two of you are face to face with your issues. Now, here's the part, Debbie, that's really critical. Let's say that you had a very um, critical father who was dismissive and who held you to a very high standard and who you sort of couldn't ever please. Here's how that will play out in a marriage. You'll either be that person or you will marry that person because the part of you that's still trying to work out your emotional history will actually like moth to flame. You'll draw that person to you so that you can find and investigate and heal. And so when we get into a marriage, it's important to understand that that blissful love state is not normal. It isn't a long-term state. It's a, a state of the moment when you fall in love, but that the reality is that in order to keep love alive, and I mean brilliantly alive, yeah. in the same kind of way, you have to practice at it. You have to bring yourself to the marriage every day in a way that benefits the marriage. And I know John has a story that you should jump to right here about, you know, the two people as two individuals and how they join. So I'm going to hand it to him. Okay. Yeah. I, the thing that, you know, I think this is a helpful way of looking at too, looking at, at this marriage is you can see it as there's two of you, there's me and there's you, and it can be a tug of war where if I give up, you, you know, if you gain, I give up. And if, if I gain, you give up, but we don't see it that way. The way that we look at it is there's you and there's me, we're each whole independent people. And then there's this overlap where we come together, where where my meanness overlaps with your you-ness and it becomes us. And it's like, it's a third entity, like a whole nother organism. Like there are three people in the room. There's yeah. me and there's you. And there's, there's this third person, which is the marriage. It's the us. And everything we're doing is either feeding the us or it's starving the us. The us never is never stationary. It's a living thing. And living things don't, don't stand still. They either grow or they die, you know, it's like Andy Dufresne says in Shawshank Redemption, I guess you only it's a choice if you get busy living or you get busy dying. Mm. Well, that's what your marriage is doing. It, you're feeding it or you're starving it. Um, and when you start to look at your own interactions with your partner that way, you start to see it isn't about being fair. It isn't about the scorecard of who did what chores and who got what attention and who has more energy or who's in a better mood. It's about how is the us? How is it doing? How can I take care of it today? What can I do to feed it, to nourish it, to help it grow? Mm -hmm. And it is very interesting to, to meet people that do not have the concept of us. Uh, it's almost as though the, the training has to come from somewhere else, you know. But, but I remember when I was in couples uh, counseling, you know, years ago in marriage, 
And I remember thinking, oh, it's almost like um, it's almost like we have birthed an us that requires our attending, requires our nurturing. That you know, plants don't grow if you don't offer them sunlight and and watering. And and yet to pretend that there is no plant here, mm, not going to work. Not going to work. That's- that's really a great way of looking at the five secrets idea because these are all actually five simple, uh, accessible ways of behaving you can do every day. You can practice in literally minutes a day. And what they will do is, as you said, you need to learn the skills to, to feed the us. These are the skills to feed the us. Be accessible to anybody. Oh, I love that, John. Well, y'all, I hope we're giving you a little insight into the go-giver marriage We have more to share with you. We're going to go to commercial right here, but please stay tuned, and I'll be right back with John and Anna Mann. Stay tuned. Every person with a disability deserves equity in education, employment, and their community. Sherwood Community Services takes pride in serving all people with disabilities and their families since 1957, including in rural areas and non-native English-speaking communities. Sherwood provides service in Snohomish, Skagit, and Island Counties. Sherwood is open for referrals for telehealth and virtual support for children and adults with disabilities. To find out more, visit SherwoodCS.com. Sherwood, believing in abilities. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you are joining me for today's show. We're talking about love. Oh, yes, we're talking about love. Valentine's Day is on the way, and love is for sweethearts and it is for everyone else. I've spent many a Valentine's Day with my kitty cat. That works too. You can be, you know, on a love, what do they call that? Gala Valentina. Mm, I messed up the word. I don't know what it is. Gal, Galatines. Gal, well, the one with your girlfriends, that one. That one works really well too, where you go out to dinner and have a little wine and go dancing. But If it's going to be you and your honey sweetie pie and you want to have a little enduring, lasting love, do whatever is on the menu for your Valentine's Day. But then I want you to also think about picking up this book that is coming out very, very soon. I have had the opportunity to read it already. It's called The Go-Giver Marriage. You already know about the go-giver and its other themes for entrepreneurs and leaders and business people and all of that. But this one is with John David Mann and his wife, Anna Mann. They wrote it together, and they put their best work onto the page for us as well as some wonderful secrets from their marriage. There's five in the book. So what I would love to know, I'm going to ask John. John, did you and Anna come up with these secrets, or did you have some sort of insider guru help you find them? How did you, how did you get to these secrets? Yes, I had an inside secret guru 
Oh, I, I call this I call this force my higher power. Um, its name is Anna. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, the five secrets come from, they actually ha have a few uh, wellsprings, a few sources. One of them is, and Anna, Anna talks about this more eloquently than I can, but one of them is, is developmental theory. They come from the, the, the native needs of the human being as a baby. And then the needs we have as a baby are the same needs we have as fully grown adults, because each of us still has a child inside us. We're still that vulnerable um, tender human human shoot. Um, they also are reflections in one sense of the five laws of stratospheric success from the original go-giver. Um, and, and finally, they're, they're observations of great marriages that we've known. They're observations from our own life. They're observations from the lives of our parents. We both had incredible parents, incredible pairs of parents as, as models. So, you know, from all angles, from the theoretical, from the, 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 the go-giver standpoint, and from the experience standpoint, um, it all kind of came into, into our, our orbit. And we spent years chatting about it. We take long walks every day. And we spent years and years long before setting pen to paper, just talking about what is critical. And we used to have friends, we still have friends, I'm sorry, our friends used to say to us all the time, what's your guys' secret sauce? Mm -hmm. why, do you, why do you act like newlyweds? Why, what is, why are you guys so insanely, ridiculously in love? Yeah. Um, and it, we asked ourselves, so, you know, what is the deal there? What is our secret sauce? Maybe we, we can bottle it. Well, this book is our attempt to bottle it. Oh, I love that. Thank you for bottling it, because it really, really is a very, very enjoyable book to read. And there were moments, well, and the last line of the parable is just, oh, man. It's when we recorded the audio book, Anna and I did the audio book, and we traded off voices. And I do the, you know, Tom's voice, and she does Tessa's voice. And so that meant that she had the responsibility. I won't give anything away, but yeah. Tessa has the last line of the book. And the big challenge of the week, we knew it was coming, was Anna had to read that without crying. It's, yeah, I, I couldn't did you do it. it? I couldn't do it. I was reading. I was gushing. I, oh, man, it was really, really good. I, my hat's off to you. That would be really you know, tough. It was hard. I actually had to kind of take a lot of deep breaths and think about other things. Yeah. You know, just kind of treat it like rote stuff that I was reading, you know, not and not get attached to the story underneath it, because I, I just couldn't get it out otherwise. And I think there is a little place even in the final edit of the audiobook that um, you can hear my voice crack ever so slightly. It's okay. A lot of that happens right here at Story You Talk Radio, let me tell you. There are plenty of days where I'm reading something from someone's book, and I'm like, okay, I did it six times. All right. This, and then I get on the air and crack, crack, crack. But you know what? That's, that's, that's the live world. That's how we really feel. Mm. When, uh, when you started writing out these, uh, five secrets, because, you know, in my mind, there's like 729 good secrets to marriage. And then if you have to just pick five, well, you, you guys really picked five good ones. Um, I don't want to tell the listeners all of them because I just I just want to entice you to get this book. But I will tell you this little quote that popped up after one of the secrets, which was every individual 
is an unexplored continent. I remember sitting and chewing on that for a moment and just thinking, Mm -hmm. wow, do we really, really give? Do we really, really attend? Are we really, really present to the other by way of thinking of them as an unexplored continent that we could get to know better and better and better and better all the time because we just want to. This is the secret of attending. So who would like to take us down into what that means to attend? Nicole, sweetheart. You go ahead, John. I'm happy to, happy to. So one of the secrets is, is one that we call, as you said, attend. And when you attend to someone, I mean, for example, every morning I bring on a cup of hot tea. It's something that I know she likes. I'm up really, really early because it's the best time to write. And I know that she likes to stay in bed for a while and look at her phone, look at her, do some work on her computer or read, just spend a little cozy time. I bring her a cup of hot tea. It's not a big deal, but I happen to know it's something that she loves. So I just do it. Is it a big deal for me? No, of course not. Would it be easy to do? Easy not to do? Either way, it's easy, but I take care of it every day. So attend means to pay attention. It means to notice what it is your your, your partner loves, what they need, what they like, what they want. Notice what's special to them. Notice what kinds of, you know, what kinds of activities they really prefer. Know when they like, when they want to rest, when they're up and excited. Get to know their rhythms. Get to know their preferences. Get to know when they need you. Get to learn the signs. Watch them. Listen to them. Pay attention. Attending happens in so many ways, and and, and some of them will, will take you by surprise because they weren't planned. You didn't know about them. That's because you only know because you're watching, you're listening, you're paying attention. And we're also all growing. We're also all changing in the face of challenges in our lives. Stresses come into our world, financial, professional, personal, physical, biological. All kinds of challenges come and, and, and kind of knock us off our game and throw us off our center of balance. And we suddenly need some other kind of attention that maybe we never needed before. And you're watching and you're listening. So you're aware of it the moment it happens. It means having your antennae up for the other person. Mm. It means learning who this person is and learning it new again, all over again. And this is where that line comes up. You know, it's really easy to think when you're first in love and you're first dating, this is what you naturally do. You want to know everything about the person. So you spend hours and your friends are all rolling their eyes and saying, okay, I know you guys have a thing for each other, but could you like, can we move on? And like, but no, you want to just talk to her because you want to know more. And you want to hear her tell every, everything he says is hilarious. Everything he says is brilliant. Everything she says is perfect. But then, you know, we go on with our lives and we start to get involved in, in our careers and our households and our families. And we kind of let it all go by the wayside. We figure, I know this person. This person knows me. She knows I love her. He knows I love him. It's all good. We got to get on with the realities of living. But there's so much more to know. There's so much more to learn. That's why we said each person is an undiscovered continent. And that means you with map and, and hat are explorer, exploring this continent for the rest of your life, really. You'll never run out of things to learn. And I have a great client story to go with that. Hmm. That, that recently happened. I have this client. Um, it, it's a guy. 
And he said, you know, I'm kind of the messy one. My wife really likes the house more picked up. We both work and we have kids. And he said, her sister helps us out with picking up the kids from school and, and um, things like that. But, you know, we're both very stressed. There's a lot going on. And he said, the house is never as clean as my wife would like it. And he said, so she had a big project at work this one week, and I knew that she was under tremendous stress. And I know that she, she comes home on Friday and she spends the weekend catching up the laundry and cleaning and doing all kinds of things. And he said, and I know it's not fair, but I, I just, I, I'm sort of at a loss with where to begin sometimes. So I called her sister and I said, hey, I want to surprise her. And I want to have the house perfectly clean when she gets home Friday night with all the laundry caught up. Do you think you could come over and, and if you'll just help me with getting the laundry put away and things like that, I'll vacuum, wash all the floors, clean up the counters and bring flowers. Ooh, that's and, love. Mm. And her sister said, of course, absolutely. I'm, I'm in. So the two of them managed to get all the laundry done, put away in the kids' drawers, and the kitchen was clean, the whole house was clean, even the bathroom was clean, and there were fresh flowers on the kitchen counter, and she came home, and she was stunned. I mean, just stunned, and it was just like a moment where he said, look, you know, you work so hard, you constantly clean up after me and the kids and others, you know, you're just, you carry more than your weight plus work. And I just, I couldn't bear it. I wanted to do something for you. I just, I just, I want to take care of things more than I do. And I'm going to, you know, make renewed efforts to be better about keeping things together in our home. And she broke down and cried. She was so moved over by it. And it's, it's, he just was paying attention. He knew what she liked he knew what she wanted and he knew that she was facing a weekend of cleaning up after a daunting work at work week. And so he just took care of this for her and she was just stunned and over the moon. And, you know, they ended up going out to dinner on Saturday night because they were just, you know, she was emotionally open to him in a way that she hadn't been on a typical weekend where, you know, she still had more work in front of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that example so much. That's really nice. That it shows too that that the follow up, the conversation, it the acts of service in there is a beautiful thing. But that they brought their words to each other, you know, their tears to each other, their their vulnerability on how much they really appreciated this. That's that's beautiful attending. I love that example. So many of us feel like um, the realities of our days just get mushed in with attending, and so they can go unnoticed. But what if we just cleaned off those glasses and made a commitment to attend even deeper and, and to not think we already know everything about the other? I, I think there's great learning when we say, I only know as much as I know. They're, they're in a whole new day. I'm in a whole new day. And I'm willing to learn who they are today 
let alone these these phases that we all go through in life, you know? I'm I'm not the same person completely that I was 10, 15 years ago. There's certain things I value more now that I valued less then and and we go through changes and I I think there is a lot to the marriage when we see the other really being influenced and honoring values that maybe we didn't know was so important to them. But by attending, we see this now and we find our way to attend with the new information. Did I get that right at all, Anna? Absolutely. I think it's really, um, you know, little ways that like, Getting tea on the bedside table in the morning is just so, I mean, I, I never tire of this. I, I don't take it for granted. I constantly let him know how much I appreciate it because it's just such a big deal. I don't even want to get out of the bed. I'm, I'm working on my computer and I just like to just lounge there for 30 or 40 minutes. And he knows this. So he's just so accommodating. He comes back and forth to the kitchen from his office all the time to make himself multiple cups of tea while he's writing in the morning. And so he makes one for me. And it's, it's just the sweetest gesture. And it's so easy. Couples do know these things about each other. You know, it might be that your spouse really loves flowers. It might be that your spouse, you know, really, really wants the cap on the toothpaste. You know, I mean, there's just little ways that you can do things that that make them feel like you're paying attention and that you're attending to the things that that matter to them. Um, I think housekeeping is a big one sometimes for people. In fact, in the back of the book, the story is about, you know, it's in reverse. It's a guy who who really just couldn't handle clutter at all. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just something as simple as keeping baskets around the house so you can throw the kids' toys in the baskets. It takes like 10 minutes to go room to room and just throw toys in baskets. And all of a sudden, the place looks zen again, instead of being just a mass of Legos all over the floor and the place is chaos. You know, little things like that can make people feel like they come home to a sanctuary instead of coming home to chaos. Exactly. I have a friend. I have a friend who uh, posted some pictures on on Facebook, and he started by saying, "He was addressed to his wife. He said, honey, I know you've been gone for three days, and I just want you to know before you get home that during those three days, I've been up to something, and uh, I just I'm going to share some pictures with you. And these pictures are really, really hot. I hope you're ready for this. I'm talking like triple X hot. Mm-hmm. These pictures like illegal, illegal level hot. And then you scroll through the pictures, and there's selfies of him doing the wash, vacuuming." cleaning up the kitchen <laughs> it's like <laughs> the hottest thing the hottest thing you could possibly mm. imagine and i'm sure that she she completely adored it i just thought it was so funny it's like yeah sometimes you know you you do unexpected things for, for your partner and they just appreciate it so much because it's you know when they say it's it's not it's the thought that counts well it is the thought it is. and it's all and it's also the deed you know it's all of it oh yeah yeah there's i don't know how much time y'all have spent in in Seattle, but we we typically we don't get much snow, but every now and then we get you know a, a big old surprise, and and one day east of here, you know, kind of in the foothills, uh, we had oh we had snow, and power was out, and you know needed a generator, and and 
my guy's out there with his, you know, big Silverado doing hard work. And, oh, he was gone for some time. And and when he came back, I mean, he was cold and tired and this and that and the other thing. And I said, are you okay? You've been outside for so long. And he said, oh, well, I just figured you'd want a warm shower tomorrow. And I was like, oh, my God, this is all for a warm shower? Wow. You are king, you know, so that 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 is attending, you know, because um, if we had to switch roles, mm, I think he would have got a cold shower the next day out of me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been out there for I might have figured out how to make spaghetti and meatballs over the barbecue. But I, I don't think I don't think I would have been messing with the generator and, and all <laughs> and that good stuff. And here's the thing that, that you know, that kind of caps off these stories. And, and it's, the, it's the period in the sentence that I really want people to get for sure and come away with. And that is that it's not just that I'm bringing the tea for Anna. It's not just that, that Debbie's guy is bringing her, is doing all, all this snow clearing and stuff for her. We're doing it for the us. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bringing the cup of tea to the us. And, and what happens is when you, when you attend to the other person, they're going to attend to you. You're going to attend to each other. And, and you both get nourished as a result. You both grow as a result. It's not that you're sacrificing yourself and diminishing yourself to, to give to the other person. You're growing both of you in the process. It is an unselfish act that turns out to be nourishing for yourself as well as for the other person. Yes. Yes, so well said. I'm so glad you added that. I would love to tease our listeners with just one more. What would would that be all right with y'all if we well, Oh sure. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can can we choose it? Oh sure. Okay. Go ahead. John, which would you rather do? Number one or number three? I'm gonna I'm gonna cover it, but I want oh, to Oh, I was gonna pick ask. four. Okay. I'm go gonna I'm gonna say go with one, sweetheart. All right. Um, This is a secret that is near and dear to my heart simply because I think it's one of the most powerful in its impact because research has been done on on this particular type of feedback. And when people get this kind of feedback, whether they're a baby or an adolescent or an adult, they feel warm and fuzzy in really profound ways. I mean, it has, it it actually affects every cell in your body. It actually improves your heart. It reduces depression. People that practice this secret live longer. So the secret is to appreciate. And when you appreciate, and, and what we mean specifically by appreciate is to find you know, two to three times a day, find something that you love about your partner and take the time to tell them verbally. And I mean, tell them in the most authentic terms. So it's, it's not a passing compliment. It's not, you know, Hey babe, you're looking great in those jeans. Um, But that is, that is also appreciation. I don't mind that one. You can do that one on me. That's okay. (laughs) But uh, uh, you know, a, a more powerful example is, you know, taking the time to simply say, you know, and this was also a client story. And um, a man had been married 25 years. And when I was interviewing him and we were talking about this secret, he kept saying, well, I don't know. I, I just like her. I appreciate her. I appreciate everything she does. I said, well, what does she do? He said, well, you know, she bakes 
a cake every week. Not a big layer cake, but just a nice little sheet pan cake. And he said, usually it's like a fruit cake, like a blueberry cake or a apple cake or a carrot pineapple cake. And he said, oh, they're so good. <laughs> and he said, I really, really love them. And she knows it. And he said, I, I kind of feel like she does it for me because she knows that I love them. And I said, and do you let her know that you love them? And he goes, no. <laughs> right. So he approached her in the kitchen. He put his arms around her and he said, you know, I just want you to know, I, I never tell you this, but I need you to understand that I love it that you bake these cakes. Like you make every one of my favorite flavors of cakes and you make them and we both enjoy them, but I feel like they're really for me because I'm the one that eats the lion's share of each cake and I love them. And I love that you make them for me. And he said, she was just so sweet. He said, she said, well, I just want you to know you're going to get cakes every week for the rest of your life. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, such a simple thing, but you know, I also had a client recently that, you know, she said her husband took the kids Christmas shopping, took them out for ice cream and then brought them home and wrapped everything they had bought. And oh, that's they huge. Went under the tree and she had had a rough week at work. And she said, she just the next morning over coffee, she said, I just gushed all over him over how much it meant to me and how yes. much I appreciated that he had done this. And she said, he is a guy that is never without words. And she said, she said, the last thing I told him was that I think you're an incredible father to our children and I feel so blessed. And that was, that was powerful. Oh, yes, yes. And I think this is what our whole show is about, is coming back to the blessings of love. And they're really, really packaged so nicely in the Go-Giver Marriage. Can you remind me the date the book is out on the shelf? March 8th. I was right. March 8th. All right, kiddos. You, we're gonna, you, can, mm -hmm. you can pre order on Amazon or on our website at gogivermarriage.com. Okay. You heard it hopefully here first or anywhere else. Get your copy of the Go Giver Marriage. You're going to love it. It's going to enhance your life. It's even going to spill over into some other people and the ways you choose to love them. It might surprise you. It will enhance you. It will help you believe. It will help you grow. And I want to hear from you if you would like to be one of five people to receive a copy from me. That's all we have for this week, but we will be back on Thursday, my friends. Until then, I am wishing you a lovely, lovely Valentine's Day. Namaste. Namaste.